Today we continue our three-part series that has to do with the parable of the man who built on a rock and the man who built on the sand. The text for our messages has been the same parable now for three weeks. This comes from Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 27, and I think the words will be on the next page. You want to follow along? Uh, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who uh, built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against it, against that house, and it fell with a great crash. You go to the next slide. Maybe some of you actually have watched some of these shows, shows like Flip This House or This Old House. And if you have, you know that there are some people who are very good at buying uh, houses and can often do a very simple little walkthrough in a house and they can spot all kinds of potential problems, problems that other people just plain simple do not see. Some of you know the story uh, that Nancy and I have probably shared with, with a number of you before, and that's that uh, several months ago we were considering uh, buying a, uh, a new home up in Hollister, Missouri. It overlooked the ninth hole of the Buffalo Ridge Golf Course. It had uh, two full-length balconies uh, on the back of the house with beautiful views of the Ozark Mountains and the valleys and everything like that. It also had a great and wonderful place for my office. It had a nice kitchen. Uh, it had a beautiful bathroom, a cedar-lined closet. I mean, on and on. It was a great place, or so it looked. So we made an offer, which was accepted, and uh, we scheduled the house inspection. The inspector greeted us, and he said, I've got good news and bad news. And we said, well, let's start with the good news. And he said, the good news is the interior of this house is in great shape, but there are three external problems. And to make a long story short, we found out that the three problems would cost nearly $50,000 to repair them. Needless to say, we stepped away from that house. But, you know, it kind of amazes me how some people who know construction uh, know what to look for and often, more often than not, can spot problems that us ordinary folks can't see. I mean, some business experts are the same way. They can spot trouble long before it starts uh, and it comes to the surface of just by looking at the cash flow statements or payables and receivables and sales trends. The business may on the outside look like it's thriving, but a real financial expert can sometimes see below the surface and spot stuff that other people can't. I'll also tell you that when it comes to premarital counseling, many pastors can do the same thing. They can tell from the very first conversation with that couple whether this relationship is built on the solid foundation or whether it's built on something less stable. And just like the uh, shaky foundation of the house and the shaky foundations of a business, there are clues everywhere. Now, in all of those things, as well as just about every other area of life, 
Uh, success and stability depends upon the foundation. I think we all know that. And without a good foundation, you're in big trouble. So this morning what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at, uh, at the foundation upon which we build our lives and what it takes to make sure that your foundation remains strong as Christ followers. Now, I said we're already in our third week of this little series we called Storm Ready. We've been looking at this parable about a wise man who built on the rock, the foolish man who built his house on the sand, and when the rain came down and the floods came up, well, what happened? When the house built on the rock was still there, the house built on the sand went splat. Now, what's the difference between those two? Well, I would suggest to you that it had nothing to do with the house. Uh, apparently, they pretty much built the same kind of house. It really wasn't the storm. Uh, it wasn't that one man went through a gentle little spring shower and the other guy was hit by a typhoon, monsoon, uh, hurricane, or whatever. They both experienced the same storm. So what then is the difference in this story? Well, the difference is the foundation. One was built solid on a rock, the other one on shifting sand. Now, obviously, when Jesus tells a parable, we know that sometimes, since I taught parables all last week in prison, I know that sometimes Jesus was trying to hide things from people that were gathered. The Pharisees and the scribes were often there, and, and Jesus know that, knew that they were not truth seekers, they were merely curiosity seekers, so he would tell a parable that would kind of hide it from them, but then would explain it to the disciples, but most of the time, Jesus told us what these meant. Now, obviously, Jesus is talking about the foundation on which you and I build our lives. What, are we building on rock or sand? Now, what it comes down to, Jesus says, is a word that many of us do not like. It's the word obedience. Obedience. I don't know how many times I've ever asked people, what is it about obedience or obey that you don't understand? Now, we go back to the King James Version of this story. It's kind of interesting. It says, I'm going to read the old King James. Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. Now, the key word in that passage is doeth. Now, we don't use that word very often anymore, but doeth. Uh, in the New International Version, it, puts, it says whoever puts it into practice these words of mine. And if we look at the New Living Translation, it says anyone who listens to my teachings and obeys them is wise. So that's what it comes down to. As Christ followers, are we obedient? And that's what this series has been all about. I mean, for many people, obedience is kind of an intimidating word uh, because a life of consistent obedience seems just a little bit outside of our reach. Uh, we're more convinced of our ability to fail in this area than our ability to succeed. But we need to understand that this is a lack of consistent obedience more than anything else, which causes our lives to become unstable. We often blame it on the storm, but everybody goes through the storm. I think about two young girls that I happened to meet quite by chance at Ruth's Coffee Shop in North Richland Hills, who as I, I listened to their conversation in the table next to me talking about how their lives were kind of a mess. Nothing was working out for them at all. I mean, it's pretty obvious that they were building not on rock, but on sand. That's why I took the opportunity to ask if I could have five minutes of their time and explain how their life might be better. 
and I shared with them the little divine plan, which I think I've shared with you out here, which I share with so many people down in prison. Now, we often blame life on storms, but like I said, everybody goes through storms. So the problem is not the bad weather you face in life. It's the foundation that you build up. When it comes to building a stale, stable life, it's what's underneath your feet that matters more than anything else. Is it solid rock or is it shifting sand? Go to the next slide. Now, I know people whose uh, entire life, everything they do and everything they stand for is built on the solid foundation of wisdom and obedience and faithfulness and consistency. And naturally, their lives work pretty well. And when there's a storm that hits them, well, <laughs> they weather it like a boss and they just keep on going. Now, on the other hand, I also know a lot of people, like those two young girls whose entire lives, uh, everything they do and everything they stand for is built on bad decisions, uh, impulsive choices, selfish motives, thoughtless actions, and naturally their lives seem to be a total mess and may eventually totally unravel. Now, those are two pretty broad extremes. And we all know that which one we should aspire to. We ought to aspire to having our life completely on the rock and not on the sand. Uh, but if we're honest, most of us live somewhere here in the middle percentiles. We have a tendency to kind of lean one way or the other. Some areas of our life are built pretty firmly on the rock, and other areas are built kind of on the sand. Now, I know, for example, I know people that are, who are very responsible in every way financially. They've never bounced a check. They've never missed a payment. They've never uh, been laid on a bill. Their credit rating is sky high. But their relationships are an absolute disaster. That part of their life is built on sand. I know people who also, uh, whose spiritual lives are rock solid, but they're not taking care of their health or their work. And it creates problems. And that part of their life is built on sand. But see, God has spoken to us about every last area in our life. Uh, he talks about our finances. The Bible talks about our finances. It talks about our relationships, our health, our emotions, our motives. It talks about the way that uh, we respond to mistreatment and how we minister to people in need, or the way we approach a crisis, and the way we do our job, the way we talk, the way we think. The Bible is just loaded with wonderful advice. The question is whether we're obedient, whether we follow it or not. See, God has given us some, some pretty solid standards in his Bible and in his word. And he's told us, you want to build a rock-solid life? Guess what? Here's the answer book. Here's, here's what you do. The problem is, uh, we treat all of this kind of like going through a buffet. You all been to a buffet? Uh, now, I know, for example, when we go to a buffet, Nancy will go and she will walk through the entire buffet before she ever starts loading up her plate. She wants to see what's all there, and she's going to go back and pick exactly what she wants. Now, I go through very quickly, but I go right to where I... Uh, I'm going to skip all the salad. I'm going to go right to the meat and the dessert. But sometimes we do that in our own personal lives as well. We tend to pick and choose what we are willing to do a lot, and we tend to ignore what we're willing to do very little. See, we've all got pockets of sand 
in our lives where we, we resist the doeth part. You know, where we aren't quite willing to fully buy in to practice the words of Jesus. And, and these little sand traps in our lives cause us problems. For example, uh, we might say, you know, God, I'm going to volunteer at my church and I'll read my Bible and I will talk to you about my friends or uh, to my friends. But, you know, my money is my money and, and I'd rather spend it and, uh, than save it or invest it. I'd rather spend it on me than spend it on other people. So just let me manage my money my way. Now, do you know what that is? That's a sand trap. Or we say, God, I will be faithful and I will tithe and I will attend church and I will do my job and I'll pay my bills. When somebody, But when somebody ticks me off, when somebody makes me mad, you can be sure that I'm going to let them have it with both barrels. I mean, I'll forgive them if I have to, but I won't forget. And boy, if I ever get the chance to get even, you better believe I'll get even. Now, do you know what that's called? That's also called a sand trap. Go to the next screen. See, we all have areas in our lives that we're honest with ourselves that are that are strong. But we've all got areas of our life that are kind of built on sand. Now, here's the problem. Sand has a very uh, corrosive and erosive quality that will eat away at the foundation of your life and will ultimately cause the entire structure to collapse. See, that's the problem with sand. That's the erosion quality of sand. What, what, when part of your life is solid and part of your life is unstable, the unstable part has the capacity to cause a crash because that's where the enemy attacks. That's where the storms will do the most damage. For example, if you are rock solid financially, but your marriage is hanging on by a thread, where do you think Satan will target you first? Hmm. If you're faithful in service and faithful in attendance, but you don't make it any effort to manage your emotions or bridle your tongue, guess what area Satan is going to target in your life? I mean, that's where the storms hit first. And that's where it hits hardest. It's in those sandy little areas of our lives. And we all have them. Every last one of us does. I mean, some more than others, but certainly we all got them. See, we need to remember that as Christ followers, uh, that when it comes to obedience, uh, 80% simply is not a passing grade. It's not going to work over long term. I mean, Jesus calls us to full and complete commitment to him. Anything less is ultimately kind of flirting with disaster. Now, this last week down in prison, I had a, a lot of interesting conversation. I shared about one man today uh, with Bible class who was kind of a seeker, and it's kind of drawing a little bit closer. But I also had a conversation with someone who said, who told me point blank, I've got a problem with Jesus. And my problem with Jesus is simply this. He always seems ready to knock me down if I fail to live up to his over-the-top expectations. Now, whenever somebody says something to me like that, there's so much confusion behind what that person is saying, I hardly even know where to begin in that conversation. But one of the things I did was make, I want to make perfectly clear that this isn't about God knocking you down every time you slip up. This is simply the results that your behavior produces. 
It's not God sitting up in heaven with giant lightning bolts waiting for you to mess up so he can smoke you where you're sitting or standing. Let me give you an example. If you're a three-day, a three-day, uh, three-pack-a-day smoker, uh, there's probably a hundred percent chance that you will face some sort of health issue in life, some serious health issues, and maybe even cancer. But let's say you go to the doctor, and the doctor says, "I'm going to give it to you straight, buddy. These cigarettes will cause more and more problems for you if you don't ultimately give them up." Now, your response could hardly be, oh, come on, doctor, that is the most intolerant medical opinion I've ever heard. How can you possibly be so narrow-minded? And probably you wouldn't say, well, look, doc, I eat nothing but steamed vegetables and fresh fruits and lean meats and whole grains, and I walk every day and I take a vitamin supplement, so don't talk to me about another area of my life. I gotta tell you, that response wouldn't make any sense at all. Now, later, when the worst comes and the doctor tells you you got cancer, neither would you say, that doctor gave me cancer because I would not abide by his arbitrary rules. I mean, many people think this is how God relates to us, but this is not how God relates to us. God has not just given us a whole bunch of arbitrary rules to live by. The principles and precepts of Scripture are given to us for a purpose, and it's as simple as this. When we live according to God's rules, we get one result. When we defy the principles and, pre- and precepts, we get another result. It's just as simple as that. There is a sense, and I hope you understand this, a sense in which God does not punish disobedience, but rather disobedience brings about its own punishment. See, if you eat pizza and ice cream, and donuts, and wash it all down with a six-pack of beer every day, God does not arbitrarily punish you by giving you clogged-up arteries. See, defying the principles of good health brings about its own result, its own punishment. Now, don't be looking at people who you think do that. So when Jesus says a man builds his house on the sand and the wind and the rain, bring it crashing to the ground. This is not some result of some arbitrary third-party punishment. He's saying, this is just what happens when you don't follow the rules. This is what happens when you don't do it. This is what happens when you build on sand. Now, if you go to the next screen, I'm going to share with you two in-your-face truths. And these are kind of, what was it? Was it Al Gore who wrote that book called Inconvenient Truth? I think it has to do with global warming. Well, I got nothing about global warming here for you this morning. But these are kind of inconvenient truths. They may not be easy to accept, but until we do, we're going to be controlled by the sand. Now, if you go to the, uh, here's the very first one. Uh, The first truth is that you can't blame everything on the storm. Though that's what we often try to do. We say, for example, I'm only having these financial problems because of the economy. I mean, it's Obama and his Obamacare and all of the stupid things that the people in Congress are doing. That's why I'm having financial problems. It has nothing to do with the fact that for years now I've been spending about 110% of what I earn and that I'm up to to my neck in debt and credit card debt. It's the economy. If it wouldn't have been for that silly downturn, none of this would ever have happened. Oh, and by the way, my health has nothing to do with the fact that I eat 12,000 calories a day. 
It's just that this kind of thing runs in my family, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I mean, diabetes and heart attacks had just kind of jumped on me when I wasn't looking. Or, uh, oh yeah, and my son, he just kind of up and rebelled. I mean, it had nothing to do with the fact that for 18 years when he lived in my house, I, I, I berated every mistake he ever made. I ignored his every accomplishment. It was just that he kind of got mixed up with the wrong crowd. If it weren't for that wrong crowd, none of this would have ever happened. I don't know if any of that sounds familiar. See, we blame our problems on the storms. But that's not a real valid excuse because everybody faces storms. I mean, to say if it weren't for the storms, my life would, wouldn't be difficult is kind of like saying if it weren't for gravity, I wouldn't have fallen off the roof. See, gravity works for everybody. Storms happen to everyone. That means we need to build in such a way that whatever storms come along, we are ready for them. Now, here's the second inconvenient truth. The truth is that each of us must be willing to take ownership of the decisions we have made that brought us to this point. I mean, if you're still taking refuge in the idea that it's not my fault, you're probably not building a solid life. If you're still saying, it's not my fault, the storm took everything, it's not my fault, the doctor gave me clogged arteries, it's not my fault, God ruined everything for me, <clears throat> you built on the wrong foundation. I mean, if you're still looking for the reason why you're not responsible for where you are in life, your life will never get much better than it is because it all comes down to how much of God's truth are you willing to obey. Starting with me in front, going all the way back to Lind in the back, guess what? We all got sand traps. Some of you got more than others. These are areas where we are not fully putting into practice the teachings of Jesus and the teachings of Scripture, and these sand traps make us vulnerable to the inevitable storms of life. Now go to the next screen here. You can change your foundation. So what do you do about it? Well, here's some good news. Some really good news. You know, when, when you build a house in real life, and, you know, we've built one house in our life. But when you build a house in real life, you're pretty much stuck with the land that you build it on. Bad land is bad land and will always be bad land, just the way it is. If you build on quicksand, I don't care how much extra dirt and concrete you put in the quicksand, it's never going to be anything better than bad land. But in your spiritual life, you can change the foundation of your life that it's built on. Now, how? Well, it comes down to one word. In the King James, what is it? It's do it. <laughs> do it. Put into practice the words of Jesus. Put into practice the teachings of Jesus. Jesus said, therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and doeth them is like the wise man who built his house on a rock. Now, I would tell you, maybe, maybe I'm only preaching to the choir this morning, but you know the choir needs to be preached to every once in a while, too. <laughs> maybe none of you have sand in your life. Maybe it's just me. But even if you spent your entire life building on sand, you can change it today simply by deciding today 
that you will put into practice the teachings of Jesus in those sandy areas of your life. Go to the next screen here. See, with every act of obedience, you can turn the sand beneath your feet into solid rock. See, every time you say, this time, I'll do it God's way, you turn the sand beneath your feet into solid rock. Every time you say, this time I'll spend what I do, this time I'll not spend what I do not have, I'll curb my urge to splurge this time, then a little bit more sand turns into a little bit more rock. And every time you say, this time I will not look at a woman this way or a man this way, this time I'll take control of my thought life, then a little bit more sand turns into a little bit more rock beneath your feet. I mean, every time you say, this time I'm not going to blow up and lose my temper, this time I will bridle my tongue and I will respond with grace, a little bit more sand turns into a little bit more rock. And every time you say, this time I will not insist on my own way, this time I'll just take the path of obedience, a little bit more sand turns into a little bit more solid rock beneath your feet. See, we all have sand traps. Like I said, some of us more than others. These sand traps make all of us vulnerable, uh, more vulnerable than ever to any storm that rolls along in our life. That means you really need, by the power of the Spirit, to go after the sand in your life. It means you need to take a, a long look at your life and ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, look at me. Tell me. Speak to me. Bring another godly person into my life and show me where the sand might be. Show me where it is. Show me where I'm building my life on the wrong thing. You know, God has spoken to us in every area of life, no doubt about it. There is a biblical principle somewhere in God's Word about every part of our life whether it be about our marriages or whether it be about our families or our work or our thoughts or our habits or our friendship or our health or our finances, you name it, we can find an answer in there. If you're in God's Word every day, God speaks through His Word. If you seek His guidance in your Word, in His Word, each and every day, God will show you sand traps. He'll show you the steps you need to take to get back on the solid rock. Of course, on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. See, it comes down to how much you're willing to hear the words of Jesus and how much you're willing to put his words into practice. Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. So, friends, my word of encouragement today is with every doeth, with every act of obedience, you turn the sand beneath your feet into solid rock. So I am praying for all of us that we be like the person who's built his house on a rock and that we all stay out of the sand trap. May God bless us in that pursuit.